Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? Today, I have a special treat for you. It was a big treat for me, too. I got to sit down with Baratunde Thurston. He's a comedian, an activist, a technologist. On top of all that, he hosts a show called How to Citizen. Uh, the show's third season focused on technology's role in our world and our, our ability to citizen, as he calls it, and uh, also about how some really remarkable people are working hard to see that Technology lives up to its potential to facilitate positive change. Anyone out there who has listened to tech stuff for any length of time, you all know that I often focus on the dark side of tech, from unintended consequences that can be harmful to outright malicious misuses or abuses of technology and how that impacts people. Well, I like to think of Baratunde's attitude as a balm for the cantankerous perspective I typically have of tech. And so sit back and enjoy this conversation that I had with Baratunde Thurston. 
You're going to learn a lot, including some stuff you might not know about me. I want to welcome my guest, Baratunde Thurston, someone whom uh, I have admired for many years. Uh, I've admired his comedy work. I've admired his perspective on tech. And I admire him in particular because whether he remembers it or not, he once rescued me from the worst day of my professional career. Whoa. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Good to be here, Jonathan. Tell me about this rescue mission I don't (laughs) know about. (laughs) Okay. uh, I'll set the scene. Great. It was South by Southwest 2016. Uh, It was in between you getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and me trying every taco at Torchy's. (laughs) And I had been assigned to moderate a panel for which I was severely underqualified to do. But I had no had no option. Okay. And it was for a now defunct anonymous geolocated social networking site called Yik Yak. Wow. And uh, <laughs> for those who do not remember, uh, Yik Yak was a, a service that allowed people to anonymously post messages and people within a certain radius of that person's physical location could see those messages and post their own. Right. So I had I had to submit every single question I had to the two co-founders ahead of time. And uh, that made me feel like I was kind of restricted in what I could ask. I wasn't confident in what I could do. Okay. So by the time we get to the panel, flop sweat is evident. It's undeniable. Uh, I'm sitting there. There's way more people than I expected to be there because this wasn't part of the official South by Southwest panel uh, that you would find in the other locations. This was in some bar off the main drag. And, I get through my questions pretty quickly because I'm getting monosyllabic answers and not really any follow-up. So after 30 minutes in an hour long slot, I open it up to the audience because I have nothing else to go to. And I don't know if you remember Baritone but you were the first person to stand up and ask questions and you held those co-founders uh, accountable. You, you asked them about the consequences of unleashing a tool that allowed for anonymous posting in geolocated areas uh, and the potential effects that could have wow. on vulnerable populations in those communities, specifically in colleges and high schools. And they gave very uh, unsatisfying answers. And at the end of this, I was shaking. Yeah. I was so upset with myself. But I came up to you, and I thanked you for your question. You were incredibly gracious. And then I slunk off to hide in shame. <laughs> and that fueled the stress dreams for the following six years, uh, which is not even a joke. But um, but I, I was so thankful you were there because I appreciated the fact that you asked the tough questions and you were, you were adamant about getting answers. And when clearly there were none, then that precipitated more questions from the rest of the audience. You, I remember there was a teacher who came up after you mm. and started asking very tough questions. And I thought... Man, I wish they had asked Baratunde to moderate this panel. <laughs> it would have been a much better panel. Oh, uh, well, so thank you for remembering that. I actually do remember it now. It was it was at a mm-hmm. bar right off Congress Street in downtown Austin, and they had a, I think they had a robotic bartender, uh, which I also recall. <laughs> um, I looked up that service just to get a visual memory, and yeah, it was like a yak was their logo. They went mm-hmm. out of business in 2017. They literally just came back. (laughs) I looked it up and and it was like three hours ago from Yahoo News. Yik Yak is back, baby. 
Uh, so we can yeah. do this all over again, Jonathan. We can do this. Yeah. Well, this time, this time I feel a little more prepared. Good. Uh, that good. was that was Babe in the Woods, Deer in the Headlight, Jonathan. Oh, I'm a, I'm slightly better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No joke. So that kind of brings me to talk about how to citizen, yeah. which is already a phenomenal podcast. Uh, before you got into the the specific world of focusing on tech's role in this idea of, of making citizen a verb and uh, and this concept of becoming more socially responsible and active in a positive way. And first of all, I absolutely love the show thank and you. I love the tone of it and I love your perspective. So uh, congratulations and thank you for that. Well, um, thank you and you're welcome for that. I mean, <laughs> this season really is uh, an outgrowth of, of moments like the one that we shared in 2016. I, I was at that South by Southwest to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, fame, fame. fame. <laughs> and I gave a little acceptance speech, like four minutes. And I made a lot of jokes about brand activations at this arts festival, as well as tacos and whiskey and beer. But I also remember saying to folks, like, the assumption that tech is just gonna create goodness in the world, we gotta stop that. And we could actually mm -hmm. be accelerating bad things in the world, you know, at scale and codifying our history and sort of forcing history into our future under the guise of machine learning. If what we teach those machines is all of our mistakes and our biases and all that kind of stuff. And, and now that's, that's like a common perspective, you know, on tech, but in 2016, we we're just kind of entering the, the discordant skeptical realm about what might happen with all this disruption. And this season of How to Citizen is a follow-up to that. And it's like, okay, so what else can we do? You know, what else can we build? Who's out here not yik-yakking all over our commons, but, uh, you know, creating something, if not perfect, at least more perfect and helping us be uh, more of a union, not just in the U.S., but kind of just as human beings all over the world. So it's, it's been a, I needed that season <laughs> to remind me that it's not all like insurrection and Nazis out there and teen depression and body shaming. Uh, that there is so much more good we can still do. Uh, and, and the future history is not yet written. Mm -hmm. I, I could not agree more. Yeah. Uh, I am in that same need mm. for that positive spin. A few years ago, I used to host a show called Forward Thinking, and the whole premise was that it was an optimistic view of the future, largely through the lens of technology yeah. and talking about the, the promise of tech or the potential of tech and through that optimistic lens. And I do largely consider myself an optimist. I just unfortunately am an optimist who also feels like I've been put through the ringer for You've the been last burned. half decade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, you, you think back, like I, I've heard you speak about this too. Like I also was an early active participant on the internet. I was in college when the World Wide web became a thing and yeah. I thought, Oh, that's never going to, take the place of Telnet. Um, <laughs> Telnet. Oh, I want to hug you right now. <laughs> I met my wife through Telnet. That's what? how, that's how I met my wife. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Not many people know that, but yeah, I met her through a Telnet chat room. Uh, 
And yeah, this I thought the whole web thing, like it takes forever for that page to load. No, never I'll just stick to this uh, prompt situation, this <laughs> yes. command line entry universe. Yeah, yeah the, the slash key is my friend. Uh, it lets me do anything. But yeah, uh, uh, listening to that, like when we cast our minds back to that and we think about the potential of, of what we were seeing and this idea of a platform that could allow for instantaneous global communication and collaboration, um, as well as things like commerce down the line. Once that restriction was lifted, everyone was sure that the internet was going to solve all problems, including, uh, uh, eliminate conflict because now suddenly there would not be these barriers to communication, ignoring places like China and North Korea, even if, <laughs> even if that promise were to hold true everywhere else. And, um, and of course it didn't turn out that way, yeah. but it, it's not a big surprise. I mean, I, I look now at the landscape. I look at something like, like Facebook, you know, not just meta, but the specific platform of mm-hmm. Facebook, which is supposed to be this, this globalized social network that connects people. For parents and, and grandparents. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, listen, you and I are of a certain age. I think I'm two years older than you are. So Um, but yeah, I look at that and I think, well, of course that didn't turn into a really, you know, benevolent, um, uh, useful tool that has nothing but good in it. It started, or at least it evolved out of a project that was ultimately about rating the appearance of female students at Harvard. Yeah. Face, face rating. That's uh, an age old human sport. Face rating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which always brings out the best in our species. Yes. And you can't have huge expectations is I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, but the promise is still there, right? The promise that we could have this democratized approach that removes barriers that traditionally stood in the way of people connecting to each other or people connecting to a career or people connecting to contributing to their communities. Yeah. That's still there it's it's easy to lose sight of that because we've seen all the bad, but I love that your podcast is looking at specific cases where people are making substantive changes to uh, provide this this opportunity to actually use tech to make real benefits uh, to people all over the world. And w- one of the the ways we've been asking that question, um, it slows down the process. Tech is uh, often about speed and efficiency. And, and results, but not necessarily with a very clear question, like results for what? Faster at what? Um, so faster at extracting value to generate advertising revenue? Cool. Faster at dismantling you know, social ties or respect for various types of community interests? Yes, we're crushing it at that. Um, <laughs> but if, if the question is baked a little differently and it's about creating a healthy community, uh, if it's about citizening as a verb, which is kind of the premise of our show, it's like, what if, what if tech didn't make it harder to citizen, but made it easier? Then you got to ask, well, what does it mean to citizen? That sounds very, very cool, very abstract, uh, very hard to pin down. And so we, we try to define our terms and repeatedly so. Citizen means you show up and participate. So like, do these technologies allow people to show up and participate in their various circles of community? Uh, to citizen is to invest in relationships with yourself, with others, and the planet around you. Uh, do these tools and platforms help us get in touch with ourselves? Do they help us connect with other people in a relationship fashion, not just a transaction? 
do they eliminate this mythical separation between us and nature or create greater distance? And the third of the four is that it helps us understand power. To citizen is to understand your power. Money and presence and ideas and physical strength, but also communication strength and attention. And in particular, you know, so does this technology strip us of our powers or uh, make us further aware of and capable of wielding our power? Uh, and then the last of these four nicely balanced pillars is that to, to citizen is to um, prioritize and take account for uh, the collective interest, not just the individual self-interest. And so if you're doing all that previous stuff just for your individual self, you're a finely tuned you know, sociopath and uh, you could be very well funded by venture capital and go up and to the right on all the charts, uh, but you wouldn't be citizening. You know, you'd be hyper investing in a, in a private life, uh, which has its place, but is, it should not take up all of, of the space that, that we occupy together. So, yeah, we found all these people who are doing different pieces. We found all these people who are doing different pieces of that kind of citizening. And even with a platform like a social network, building them differently, you know, with different kinds of considerations. And so it was just a good reminder, like, oh, yeah, we got choices, you know. Um, and then you have to ask, you know, great. So we have choices. Do we how much are we able to exercise them? What barriers stand in between us and our ability to create those types of opportunities in large scale and not just have them be kind of cute demonstration projects? Uh, and that's a, a tough secondary question. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have co covered many times in the past uh, some various projects and various stories that were incredibly exciting and inspirational and unfortunately also momentary. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that there was no lasting effect or, or presence. And that... Um, you run the risk of it suddenly becoming something performative or that someone like me who covers tech for a lot starts to get really cynical when I start seeing moves, even moves that are sincere and earnest in their motivations. You start to question simply because you've been encountering the dark side for too long, which is why I, you know, I, when I listen to season three, which by the way, everyone absolutely should. First of all, everyone should listen to all of them. How does citizen.com, <laughs> but especially your audience here with tech stuff. Uh, I think, you know, I, I've listened to one of your recent episodes about the history of like web one and web two. Oh yeah. It was just, it was a great time <laughs> machine. And so I think, you know, if you like the time machine element and revisiting that, whether you were present mm -hmm. or not, there's value to it. We do a little bit of a version of that in, in our season three and then start chipping away at the assumptions about how a lot of this stuff needs to work. And it's kind of this global, it ended up being a global expedition, you know, from Argentina to Spain, to Taiwan, to prisons in the United States uh, and multiple cities and, and types of venues uh, all around. So it's very, very cool. But I'll, I'll finish letting you plug my podcast. Please continue. Oh, well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I love how you start with uh, an episode where you're talking with your sister, which mm. was beautiful. It was a beautiful conversation and such a wonderful tribute to your mother. Um, I absolutely loved it. And then you follow that up with the, what I would call the tech stuff episode yes. of how to citizen <laughs> with, with Scott Galloway, where you are defining the problems. Yeah. Uh, and I was listening to that and I was like, Oh man, I'm so glad 
that he doesn't have my job because (laughs) I would, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, but he does it better than I do. There's plenty of work out there for all of us, man. Trust, trust. Right. And then, and then the later episodes, you know, you're, you're talking with these extraordinary people who are spearheading incredible projects. And that's where I really uh, feel that tech stuff listeners, if you have been listening to me for a while and you know, you've, you've, especially with the news episodes, it's almost impossible to avoid the dark stuff because that's the stuff that tends to rise in the public consciousness. Listen to this show and get involved because there are ways you can do that and it helps and it makes a better world. (laughs) And those are all things I want to see. We'll be right back with more from Baratunde after these messages. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When we look out for one another and when we take actions that are not just purely in our own self-interest, 
everyone benefits, not just the individual. And that's what always blows my mind is that, yes, you can act selfishly and you can act selfishly in a way that benefits you. But when you act in a way that helps others, you too benefit. Yeah. Like that's an everybody wins situation. It makes you it makes you feel good. So there's that yeah. selfishness. Um, and it's sure. it's something I often forget until I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, yeah. It feels good to be around others. It feels good to do something with others. It feels good to do something for others. And then recognizing maybe maybe that comes back to me in a literal or direct way. Or maybe I just, I'm getting high off the endorphins of that kind of social hit. You know, the same kind of feeling like when someone likes your post uh, or, or shares your content online, you can get that in a, in a much healthier way, you know, through engaging with, uh, with our fellow humans. Uh, and then you think about the sort of collective interest, like how does public health really work? How does national security work? You know, how does how do cities and communities of all sizes work? We're not meant to do everything by ourselves. And I think we've just over-indexed on the, the independence strain. And it's very American and then mm. very Western, but particularly American. It's like me, my house, my yard, my gun, my food supplies, my entertainment system, my pool, my kids, my private school. My, and this list of my, 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 my leaves very little room for our and it's super inefficient, actually. It's, it's highly redundant, and it's really isolating and lonely taken to such an extreme. If we're all out here building our own you know, armies of one and cities of one and societies of one, then we're losing out on the benefits of even having other people around. Like, What's, what's the point of there being more than one of us if we're all going to try to do the whole job of society by ourselves? It, it also includes a lot of denial. Yeah. Like you have to live in denial to believe that you alone are responsible for your place and and how and your well-being. Yeah. It's such an unrealistic view that it it boggles my mind. Um uh, I w- I was fortunate to be raised by teachers and science fiction authors. So <laughs> I came to my philosophy from a perspective of the you know, sort of the Star Trek yeah. view of society. Like everyone contributes and everyone's important. And if you, if you deny that, if you think somehow that you are more important than everyone else, nothing but disaster awaits you. And, and there's, there's, you know, denial is a really good naming of one of the the challenges of that kind of thinking. I think fear is another component of it where uh, we operate out of a sense of being afraid of others. And so we must do this for ourselves because we can't trust someone else to be there for us. And there's reasons for the denial. You know, edu- some of us are educated to believe we are better than others and don't need them. Uh, there's reasons for the fear. You know, we, we, get, we receive a lot of messaging and even have had personal experiences which would trigger that. It's not um, outlandish. You know, it's, it's not inexplicable. But I think it is ultimately self-destructive for most of us to to live in such an extreme in that way. So yeah, find, finding people in this little pocket of the world who are, who are asking some different questions, finding some different answers and saying, okay, so what if we made a social network that didn't give everyone on day zero all the powers of the network at once? You know, what if you gradually unlocked these features over time after being more carefully and considerately 
onboarded into the community. What? You mean I can't just start DMing people right off the bat and address millions from, from the first moment I sign up? Whoa, that's, that's, that's thoughtful. Why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, maybe if you're not under the pressure of returning, you know, 10x uh, the financial investment to people who've already 100x the money they were born with, you would have time to consider that and build a community optimizing that instead of just maximum noise. Uh, and so, yeah, we had this, you know, Bahraini LGBTQ plus activist, Esra Al-Shafi. She's one of the people who, I think everybody, it's hard to pick a favorite, but I just in this moment, given that you mentioned Facebook, that there's more than one way. There are many different ways to build networks and communities. And we've just done this copy paste thing. Uh, and Facebook in particular has just done the like copy paste thing <laughs> with, you know, innovations from others. Uh, but speed, speed, speed is costing us in some other ways. And, and the speed of enabling people to behave in certain ways without having any connection to the community they're part of yet. It's like on your first day as a freshman in high school, you're just like, you're running the pep rally. You're the president of the class. Like you're, you're in charge of discipline. Uh, that's way too much power too quickly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, so much of what you say resonates with me. I think back to some of the smaller forums that I participated yeah. in early on in the internet and how fundamentally different they were. Like it felt like a, a community of people. Usually it was centered around something specific, which helped. Like right? an interest had, in exactly. a, a movie or a comic. Yeah. Hey, hey, shout out to all my fellow former Buffy the Vampire Slayer yes. bronze members. <laughs> I was part of the bronze. Uh. Um which I also have it. You man, I'm revealing a lot of personal stuff on this episode. Good. But then that, so good. do you in that first episode of, of season three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's good. But yeah, I, I I completely find that inspiring. I love the idea of social networks that truly are social, right? And build toward that, and and help people avoid traps like the fact that a lot of folks fall into a, a sort of tribalistic experience online. Um, that you have these echo chambers, yeah. that you have you have these these environments that they don't just allow for the noise. They don't just allow for the flame war. The platform itself is dependent upon that activity. Yeah, they need the noise. They need the flame wars. They, it, mm -hmm. The flame wars fuel their growth. Yes. In, in a, pretty much a literal sense. You know, there's another, I'm looking back at that season, something I haven't thought as much about, but given who you are and where you sit, the, you know, the way we um, defer to algorithms is, is a huge impact on our sense of reality and truth. And most of us are not aware of them. So we, we think we're making choices, but we're actually, you know, the, the choice set is predetermined by a, a series of machines guided by humans who tell us who we are before we have a chance to become who we may be meant to be. And so just even if you're like an independent minded person and free will and rugged individualism, it's kind of hard to be that when you're subservient to a machine telling you who you are before you get to be who you are. And, and so there's folks working on cleaning up the data sets that power these algorithms and just adding a level of insight into like, oh, that was just a garbage mailing list that someone bought on the dark web. Maybe we shouldn't use that to determine who has access to healthcare. 
huh, interesting. <laughs> or, you know, my favorite example is um, a woman named Teresa Hodge, who's formerly incarcerated and was very frustrated by folks with felony records not being able to get employment after they served their time because various algorithms <laughs> say they're not trustworthy, you know, just because they got caught. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I still maintain most humans are criminals, technically, right? There's a lot of laws that we're breaking on a constant basis. Most of us are not under constant surveillance to be busted. And, and then many of us who are busted have access to a level of resource to get out of that, get that expunged, get a slap on the wrist, at least get a warning. So you have, you're able to learn from the error and then proceed in society. But but a subset of us get, get caught up and then punished forever. And so she came up with uh, an, another algorithm that employers could use to consider if someone is really a risky bet in terms of hiring. And, and it takes a lot more data points into consideration because it's defined by people who've experienced that particular challenge. And so you're putting people who are close to the problem in the driver's seat to help co-create the solution. And there was no assumption of vindictiveness or ill will, right? This isn't about punishing companies, but it's also about no longer punishing people who've already been punished and then Mm -hmm. unlocking their ability to contribute productively for all of us. Like we would all benefit from those folks having gainful employment. (laughs) So it's, you know, it doesn't mean like no more algorithms ever. I, I think that ship has sailed. But how we algorithm and who's involved in crafting them and what oversight we have, what goes into them, who makes them, how they affect the world, we have so much more choice in that than we have realized. Many of us are just sitting here kind of dormant, like, I guess there's nothing we can do. Oh, well, they already, the computers are going to compute. They must, they must know better. It's like, no, they know what we tell them to know, and we can still have an influence on that. So I just thought, okay, people are not expecting to hear this formerly incarcerated Black woman coming up with algorithms, selling them to employers to help them hire people better. What? (laughs) And that's the same kind of story that would be on the cover of an Inc. magazine, you know, Mm -hmm. or of a Fast Company magazine, of a Forbes. Uh, But we don't hear it as often as the, uh, I made an app called Yik Yak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and and that alone is a crime <laughs> that should be punishable severely and over and over again not to call anyone out but one of the co-founders i don't remember both their names but yeah. one name is always going to stick with me forever and ever and ever because it was brooks buffington the third and how do you forget a name like that no that's an incredible yeah. name that's an incredible brooks name. buffington the third i shouldn't really you know calling him out i live in atlanta he's still in atlanta running yeah. businesses and stuff I mean, I'm burning bridges, but that's whatever. Okay. And you know, that was I don't know what Yik Yak is doing, you know, with its return. Maybe they have right. figured out and it's we are in a very different world from 2016 in in so many ways. So let's let's assume uh yeah. as as we have grown, so have they. And and we yes. can just marvel at the amazing name that is Brooks Buffington. Buffington the third. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. I, I like that, I like that perspective. We've got more conversation coming up with Baratunde after this short break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. 
on the network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I love hearing about these stories. Uh, this is the sort of, it's, it's like nourishment for the soul. It's mm. the, the balm I needed in order to kind of just grok everything that's going on and not, you know, fall into that little puddle in the corner. That's like the despair feeling, puddle. Yeah. Yeah. Small and helpless and knowing that things are wrong, but not knowing how to write them. Yeah. Um, and feeling like the the snowball is already so large that no one's ever going to stop it. It's it's going to wipe out the village. We're just waiting to see when it happens. I'm these are the stories that remind me that's not that's not the case. That's not the narrative. You I, I tend to abstract too much the concept of companies being these monolithic things that somehow existed on their own hmm. when in fact they are the the construction of people like actual human beings made these and and by forgetting that you start to just i mean i do it all the time you start to uh, ascribe motivations to things that are not themselves really a, an entity it's a, a collection 
that was built by human beings. Yeah. And it's even possible that the motivations that you're recognizing were never consciously in any of those human beings' minds, but it's manifested that way. And I think that's healthy to make those realizations because then you can say, all right, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily lay blame mm-hmm. on anyone here for, for maliciously approaching this situation, but we still have to reckon with the consequences and to adjudicate, to decide, are these things we want? Are they positive? Are they helpful? Or are they things we can do without? Are they things we can change yeah. so that we get more positive outcomes and more supportive outcomes? Um, and that's really the the takeaway I get from your show, which you is, I, I think, the most glowing uh, review I can give. Five stars. Yes. We've got the Strickland <laughs> five stars. Mission accomplished. I'm going to retire from podcasting now. Thank you. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I need more. I need more. I need more. I need like endless number of seasons. More is coming. More is coming. Yeah. Um, well, to, to kind of wrap this up, I want to just kind of sort of talk with you about some some random little things. Like, sure. do you have any uh, uh, favorite like I know you talk a lot about uh, technological memories mm. in your episodes, but do you have any like favorite standouts, like things where either something clicked for you or you encountered a technology for the first time, just that sort of sense of wonder and discovery. Yeah. So there's a, I don't think that we put this in how to citizen. Um, So this would be a pseudo exclusive. I've definitely mentioned it publicly, but not often. So in high school, uh, I graduated high school in 1995 to situate you in, in my timeline. And we got an internet connection at that school in probably 1991, possibly 92, and always on T1 level connection. So I was banging around in Unix and uh, coding in C poorly and just bopping around Gopher servers and Usenet servers and finding gateways into public libraries. Um, And I also worked for the student newspaper at the time. Uh, And a friend of mine had been expelled from school. So these three facts converged. Uh, a friend I felt who was unjustly expelled from the school, his family sued our school and there was a court case involved. And I was called as a witness to this court case. And court cases create a lot of public documentation. Most people in the school did not know about this lawsuit. Enter my new internet skills. And so I start um, a fake email address called theinformantatknowledge.com. It was one of my prouder, I was like deep throating it, you know, <laughs> like, and, and I figured out, um, you know, mail servers were very, shall we say porous, uh, at that time in our history. And so if you knew the right keyboard commands, you could interact with a mail server as if you were a mail client and, you know, have the right syntax and the right order. And so I kind of logged in to this mail server at Yale University, um, minerva.sys.yale.edu. I'm sure they've battened down those ports uh, at this stage. <laughs> and so I, I used, uh, I launched my attack from, from Yale, even though I was in the computer lab in Washington, D.C. at Sidwell Friends. And I crafted a message to my fellow newspaper editors because I didn't want my fingerprints on it. And I wanted them to kind of independently decide this is mm-hmm. worth talking about without it feeling like a favor to me or without being colored by any 
attitude toward me at all. And because I was clearly mm-hmm. close to the person who had been expelled, they might dismiss it. You know, no, oh, you're just trying to get your friend back in school. So I alerted them to the fact I gave them like the docket number that they could look up in the court system. And they ended up, you know, telling the story, you know, of this lawsuit, which triggered political action on campus and meetings and all kinds of stuff. But the the ability to influence in that way, to, to discover a form of power, uh, I didn't like hack into the mail server to destroy it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even create fake information with it. I had a, created a fake header, technically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, trying to raise awareness of an issue from my relatively meager position, I wasn't a trustee, I wasn't a faculty member, I wasn't a parent, uh, but I was an interested and affected party by this. Mm-hmm. And I thought it affected all of us. I felt powerful in the moment. I felt like I did more than I thought I could. And it just felt kind of cool. And I didn't tell anyone for years. I just kept my <laughs> mouth shut. I'm like, I don't know what the statute of limitations is. I don't know if that was technically a crime. You know, I'm not trying to go to jail for my friend. Like I like him a lot, but you know, he's still, he wasn't incarcerated. He just had to go to a different school. So <laughs> measuring all of that, but also just that the, the moment of realizing that I could communicate through machines in this way and not just for the sake of communicating with machines, but for the sake of mm-hmm. affecting the IRL universe that I inhabited, that was that was a significant moment in in my technology life and my life overall. Uh, I I also like to imagine, although I know it's not the case, it's why you had to go to Harvard because Yale was going to be like, oh no. <laughs> Well, I didn't respect Yale after that. You know, (laughs) I'm just like, you don't take cybersecurity (laughs) seriously. Like you let a child manipulate your tech infrastructure. (laughs) Baratunde, come on. A child just just compromised Okta, the authentication company. That's true. true. Maybe so many people shouldn't shouldn't be dependent on that one service. Yeah. um, Yeah. Though I I won't go down that road, but yeah, (laughs) but I I love that story too. It it speaks to me about sort of the, the, the pure hacker ethos, this idea of, of understanding how systems work, occasionally using that knowledge to have systems do something that they weren't necessarily meant to do. Mm -hmm. Not, not, it doesn't have to be malicious. It doesn't have to be criminal. It doesn't have to be destructive. Yeah. Uh, the the term hacker obviously gets thrown around a lot in a very sinister way, but we understand those of us who have ever kind of put our hand to it. It's more about that that innate curiosity of how does this thing work? And once you understand how it works, like, oh, I wonder if it could also do this other thing that it's not designed to do. Yeah. And um and that I feel is is something that we need to encourage, but unfortunately, just the the term hacker has got such a stigma against it that I feel a lot of people uh, immediately make judgments as soon as they hear the term being thrown around. Yeah, um, now make look. It's we we always need folks who are going to push things, and sometimes mm-hmm. most of us don't appreciate it. We're like, why is that person over there pushing things? I like things just the way they are, uh, but then we find out, you know, who we are. Uh, through that process. And like, oh, I guess we don't have to always do it this way. Now, you know, forging emails isn't like a thing that I want all of us to be doing on a constant <laughs> basis. <laughs> so the the lesson is more metaphorical. Um, mm. But, you know, being able to find your voice, being able to express it, uh, caring enough about 
you know, a situation to try to influence other people's perception or even awareness of that situation. I mean, that's the same thing that drives something much bigger, like a Me Too or Black Lives Matter, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. and you see all kinds of social media usage to amplify awareness of situations, as well as you see sort of secure journalistic communications and, uh, you know, very anonymized sort of Tor-based file file drop services uh, to allow folks in a, a weakened position to still hold power accountable in some way, especially in like regimes that don't allow anything approaching the level of free free expression we have in the U.S. Uh, and that's super important work uh, and will continue to be so, I suspect, for as long as we have more than one person on the planet. Mm, I agree. And, and we're even seeing it, if you go one step removed from the tech itself, we're seeing it in the tech companies as we're, we're watching a growing movement among employees mm. toward organization, That's unionization. Right. I mean, the iHeart podcast union formed not long ago, and uh, that was really exciting. And we're seeing it in efforts at Amazon. We're seeing it in efforts at parts of Activision Blizzard. Yeah, um, you know, the, these this is a really exciting time uh, from that perspective too, because I see this this growing understanding that the 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 balance has been out of whack for far too long and that it has been benefiting far too few people yeah. in the process and i feel like we're getting to maybe not a full correction but we're at least reckoning with it and i'm hopeful to see that continue like that's another one of those trends i'm excited to be alive to see <laughs> that because we were also baratundi we were also growing up in the Reagan era where yeah. a lot of those systems were dismantled. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The, the way that workers, we have uh, an episode of season three, Xiao Wei uh, Wang focused on not just workers organizing around uh, better compensation, better benefits, mm. like those typical contract terms, but organizing around their own sense of power and purpose mm-hmm. and technical Silicon Valley employees are highly valued financially. Um, And yet they're starting to recognize the limits of financial recognition of their value. And what do I want to be doing with my power? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then expanding the lens on what a technology worker is. You know, if you drive for Uber Eats, you're also a technology worker. And, you know, just letting people claim that language for themselves. You know, gig workers, gig workers, gig... That's pretty dismissive, unintentionally, I think, but it has a consequence of minimizing the labor of some versus others. And if you can build a bridge between the coder and the driver, you know, the coder and the courier, then you've just magnified your community and your potential power. And you, you know, once we change who we relate to, all kinds of new things are possible. So there's an awakening that's happening too that's not just about contract terms um, and it's much mm-hmm. looser and, and broader and, and I think potentially even more powerful though contract terms <laughs> very much matter. Yes. I feel the same. I, I don't want to keep you any longer because okay. I am uh, very cognizant of your time, but I could chatter on about all these things for hours <laughs> and uh, uh, every time I'm like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Jonathan Ch- chatty, Kathy, you're going to let, <laughs> You're going to let it in here. You can have him back on the show some future point if he wants to yes, come back and you yes. can chat I, all about I would happily things. come back. That's an easy, I, easy yes. Thank you I so much. I would love to have you have you back on the show. Absolutely. I mean, you're a busy man, so we will talk when you've 
got time to breathe and um, and to engage in life in a meaningful way. I don't want anyone to, <laughs> to be like, oh, I got to get back on Jonathan's show. I can't, you know, go outside and smell the flowers. No, <laughs> none of that. Um, but thank you so much for joining the, the show. This has been a truly uh, enjoyable conversation. As it has been for me as well. Thank you for taking me back to South by Southwest 2016, <laughs> back to high school, which is not always a pleasant revisitation uh, because mm-hmm. it's high school and everyone knows what that means. Generally unpleasant time in our lives. Um, and yeah, and thank you for what you're doing with your show to explain um, why all this stuff matters, even to some degree what it is, uh, because I think mm-hmm. it's such an important center of power and community and creativity it's it's not just tech stuff anymore, but it's, you know, this this locus. So you've been at this for a while, and I appreciate what you've been contributing uh, as well. Excellent. Well, the show is How To Citizen. Yeah. It's available anywhere you get podcasts. It's You absolutely have to listen to it. I guarantee after one episode, you'll be hooked, and you'll yes. just binge them. Do it. Um, yeah. You know, and if you're like me, then you're going to listen to them at half speed because you don't want them to end. <laughs> you listen to them at half speed? I have. What? I've never heard of any. I've only known people, including myself, who accelerate the playback. You decelerate the playback. Your shows can be so packed with such important (laughs) stuff. I don't want to miss any of it. This is a good note. Maybe we should spread it out a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. Yeah. I look forward to having you back. And uh, I look forward to my listeners checking out your show. So do I. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your day and the rest of your podcasting and beyond life. Thanks again to Baratunde for joining the show. I could have talked with him for hours. I think that was pretty clear in the episode. Uh, And he probably would have let me because he's a nice guy. But, uh, you know... I should not monopolize anyone's time, including yours, dear listeners. So I'll leave you with this. His show, How to Citizen, is in fact available on all podcasting platforms. I really do urge you to go out and listen to it, particularly if you've ever felt yourself wondering what can one person do that can make a difference. I know that there have been times where I felt kind of lost and helpless and that the problems are just so big that there's nothing I can really do to make a difference. And and it's really discouraging. Well, it turns out there actually are a lot of ways that you can make a difference. And his podcast kind of focuses on that in a way that, you know, it's actionable. So highly recommend you check it out, especially if you need to pick me up. I mean, they, they do tackle some tough problems on that show, but it's with that sort of optimistic view always a a goal of doing better. And I really admire that. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover on future episodes of Tech Stuff or even guests I should invite on the show, please reach out to me. The best way to do that is over on Twitter. The handle for the show is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.